very proud of our graduates. We believe God has great things in store for each of you. We're behind you 100%. Won't you please stand with me for the reading of the word? It's great to see everybody here today. I, I really hope today I can, I can preach um, what I feel. You know, preaching is this strange thing. If you've never done it, if you're very critical, I invite you to come up and try it. But here you are trying to communicate information. You're trying to be inspirational. You want to find the word of God, the mind of God for a particular service, for a particular people group. And you want to communicate that the best way you can. And sometimes it's less information. I know a lot from Scripture, but it's, it's more a feeling after the Lord. And I have something that I feel very strongly. I've been in... Uh, a good amount of fasting and prayer this week, and I just I have a burden, and I just pray that I can deliver this word today uh, as powerfully as it has rested in my soul. And I, I want to read from Acts chapter 3. I, I do want to say it is great to see all of our guests in the house, and every week we have people, yeah, yeah, every week, yeah, give them a hand. Every week we have people that come here that, that don't quite grasp like what's going on. It's, it's a little bit different maybe than some of the churches uh, they've attended um, or maybe they've never attended church. But we are just, um, you know, we, we've got some reasons why things happen the way they do around here. And, and like I said earlier, God is doing some great things here at LifePoint. We're going some places. This is the tip of the iceberg. You hear what I'm saying? This is just a tip of the iceberg, and uh, I want to welcome you here. I'm glad you're here, and, and today it could be a little more somber. Uh, we'll just see, but I, I believe God has a, a word for us. Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So basically what that's saying is at about 3 in the afternoon, Peter and John are headed to the temple around the hour of prayer, and there's a guy that's been lame for 40 years. We know this from the next chapter, and he's being placed strategically at this gate beautiful to beg for money. That's what that's saying right there. And then verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now that sounds like some of the stuff that happened just a few minutes ago here in this very building, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw him walking about and praising God, 
Then they knew that it was he who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I'm going to be preaching to our graduates specifically today, but this will fit everybody in the house, I promise you. And I'm going to preach on this subject, stuck at the gate, stuck at the gate. And I want to ask you to join me in prayer right now before you're seated. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts today, God. I am asking you to anoint this 50-year-old preacher, Lord, to speak a word. And I pray, God, that you would take it beyond our heads and let it hit our hearts, God. Drop into our spirits and make that lasting impact. And I give you praise for that right now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. Some places are so special, so filled with purpose, that they are surrounded by walls or fences. One of those places is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. It is surrounded by a fence. And walls. So is our governor's mansion in Baton Rouge. I'll tell you some other places that are surrounded by fences and walls. Tiger Stadium. Because it is so very special. Death Valley. Bryant-Denny Stadium. Is also surrounded by walls and fences. And I have no idea why because it's not all that special. Just my opinion. Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, aka the Swamp. We got some of those in the house too. Surrounded by fences and gates. Alex Box Field, pretty special place. Has fences and walls. Yards have fences and walls. I know our backyard is fenced and and, and our, our house has walls. That's, that's kind of what makes it a, a house to keep the good things in and the bad things out. And then there are what is known as gates. Gates. Merriam-Webster says a gate is an opening in a wall or fence. It's part of a barrier, such as a wall or fence, but it opens and closes like a door. So gates are doors or openings into these special cordoned-off places. Here are some gates in walls that surround special places. I've got some pics right here. Look at this one. Anybody know what that is? That's the Palace of Versailles in Paris, France. It's so special. It's surrounded by golden fences and golden gates. You're looking at the very reason for the French Revolution right there, right? Opulence right there. It's pretty amazing. Now, uh, that's very special, but I'm going to show you another very, very special fence and and gate, even more special than Versailles. Anybody know what that is? Welcome to Graceland, everybody. (laughs) And that pretty much sums up the reason for rock and roll. Many, many years ago, when I was just a wee lad, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and I made a trip through Memphis in the middle of the night. And, Ray, I decided 
it would be a good idea, me and my buddies, at 2 a.m. to break into Graceland. We thought that would be just awesome. It made sense to us. We had never visited, and it was closed at 2 a.m., so we thought, well, we'll just jump the fence, and we'll break into Graceland. And so we went to the stone wall. We climbed up on top. We found an opening, and just as we were about to climb over the wall, Wallace, to enter into the grounds of Graceland, some huge Doberman pinchers came out of nowhere running up to where we were and started threatening us and snarling at us. And we decided, well, you know what, it was a good idea, but why don't we just etch our name on the stone wall? So we climbed down and we etched our names. And somewhere, if you look around there, you'll find us in the mortar of of Graceland because, uh, you know, we decided not to break into that very, very special place. We know why they have a wall there because people like us would break right on in, right? And so, Graceland, Versailles, Graceland. In our reading, there was a place right in the center of Jerusalem that was so special. It had a huge wall built all the way around it. It was the temple of the children of Israel, where at at least at, at times past, the presence of the Lord would move so powerfully and manifest in that place. And this guy in our reading had been parked along the temple wall for 40 long years. We see this in Acts 4.22. 40 long years. He was outside, just outside, but outside nevertheless. And he had never entered into that temple. Now there's a big difference between being on the outside of the fence at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, taking selfies with the house in the background, and being on the inside of the fence at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. There's a big difference between being on the wall right outside the grounds of Graceland, trust me, and being on the inside of Graceland where I went years later the legal way, and there's a big difference between being on the outside and being on the inside. And there's a big difference between being just outside the temple and being inside the temple. This guy in our reading was not just at some random uh, impassable part of the wall around the temple. Rather, he was at the very opening in the wall that is known as a door or a gate. There there was an entrance. He was stationed right outside the entrance. But the tragedy is, for over 40 years, he had never moved beyond the gate to the inside of the temple. He was so close, but yet so far away. He, he He could see people going in, and he could get a glimpse at times of what was going on in there. He, he could hear the, the sounds of the singing and the prayers and the preaching. He could get a glimpse at times of the priests doing their duties and offering up sacrifices. But, but he was never in there with them participating because he was stuck at the gate. Everybody say stuck at the gate. I want to help somebody today. That's my prayer. When it comes to church, there are people, even in this room today, 
There's a difference between being in this church building and being in the church, being in that special place, being in that secret place of the Most High, being in that place, that sweet spot where the magic happens, man, where the anointing flows. There's a difference between being just in the building and, and being in the in the presence of God, like really plugged in. And, 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 and there's some people in this room today, and listen, it's not just that you're uh, in, you know, some random impassable place on the wall that you can't get in. Like there's no way to get through. You can't get in here. You are just, you're right at the precipice. You're right at the door. Like it is so accessible, but for some reason you've just not been able to make that, that step from, from here to there, from outside, just that short distance to inside. And I'm wanting to help somebody. There's, there's people that you've walked in those doors. You've walked in those doors back there, but you haven't walked in those doors. Like, you've not, you've not entered in that, that holy place uh, in, in the presence of God. This, this is a heart thing. It's not a physical thing. You're physically in, but, but spiritually and, and I'm talking to our graduates, but to everybody. But spiritually, you've not entered into that place. And as the pastor and the shepherd of this house, I've been burdened all week long, fasting, seeking God, praying for the sheep that are under my care, my responsibility, praying for wisdom, praying that the Holy Spirit would convict hearts today and help people move beyond the gate. Now, I am so proud of our students, as has already been said today. I want to remind you, though, you don't have to bow the knee to peer pressure. You've graduated. It's awesome. It's great. But you still are going to have peer pressure. You're still, it never goes away. Can I get an amen? I'm 50 years old, and I still get peer pressure. You think it's over. You know, we think, well, if I can ever get out of high school, if I can ever get college, if I can ever get married, you know, it'll all go away. You know, all this pressure and temptation. And so, what? No. No, as long as you got breath, right? That devil's going to be coming after you. You're still in the flesh, man. You got you to deal with it. And so just, just because you've graduated, it doesn't mean you're not going to have any more peer pressure. And I, I just want to be... I want to encourage you, you don't have to waste your life spinning your wheels, uh, drinking, getting drunk, smoking dope, messing around with your girlfriend or boyfriend, getting all out of kilter that way, watching stuff you shouldn't be watching. You don't have to waste your life clubbing, partying. There's There's some people that can give me some amens in this house today. You've been there and done that at least to dark, dark places. But I'm going to tell you something else, and I want you to hear this, this 50-year-old pastor today. I'm almost 51. My God, I'm half a century old. I just realized that. You don't have to waste your life in the church, but not in the church. 
You don't have to waste your life coming through these doors, but not entering into those heavenly realms and that heavenly place by opening your heart to God. You don't have to play it cool with church and become just a, a, a warm body on a seat and another number to count like, like the dude in our reading. Everybody else was going in, but he was never going in. And I want to encourage you. I don't care how new you are to church or a church like this. I don't care if you're brand spanking new and you don't have generations back behind you. You don't have any background in church. You, you don't have to get stuck at the gate. You can move into those those holy places with God. You can become a mover and a shaker here at LifePoint. You can become a pillar of the church and an influence on others, leading them to great things. God could call you to preach. God could call you to be a missionary. God could call you to mentor kids. God could use you greatly. You don't have to be stuck at the gate. Hallelujah. Now, According to a recent Barna Group study, I mentioned this Wednesday night, the church is hemorrhaging millennials and young adults. The North American church is in trouble. I spent some time with pastors this week, and uh, well, last week, and I was blown away by some of the stuff that, that ministries are facing the North American church is in trouble, and we're trying to shift and adjust and find the mind of God. But according to Barna, 50 to 60%, this is recent, 2015, I believe, 50 to 60% of kids who are active in church in their senior year of high school as young adults will quit going to church. Let me have our graduates stand up right now. All of our graduates. Where's our six? Oh, six. Yeah. All right, sit down. Nate Blair, sit down. 50% right there. You may be seated. Thank you. Half, not here next year. Half, not here in two years. Half, not here in three years. And I don't know, but I'm 50. I've already revealed my age. Some of you, you're, you, you, I know how old you are. We're not going to be here forever. Who's going to be running the church? Who's going to be left? Who's going to raise their kids to love Jesus? 50 to, are you kidding me? 50 that are, this is not kids that just go, they're active in their church. And with, with, as young adults, they quit going to church. I'm going to tell you one of the great reasons for that, I believe, is because it's people that are stuck in the gate. They've just been coming and punching a clock and showing up like good little boys or girls. But I'm going to tell you in this day and hour, that is not enough. That will not keep you where you need to be. That will not keep you living a holy life and clean. That will not keep you out of your... Can I be blunt? I mean, come on now. We got some teachers in this, in this room, and you, you, especially you high school, but you junior high and elementary kids, teachers, you tell me some of the things that you hear. We need to be blunt in the church, right? 
Our kids know a lot more than we wish they knew. But I'm going to tell you something. Just punching a clock and coming through the door is not going to keep you out of the sack with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It ain't going to keep you from throwing down shots and seeing where that leads. It's not going to keep you from smoking that stuff that makes you loopy and losing your mind. It's not going to keep you from those places that you swear you'd never go. you got to go all the way in. If you're stuck at the gate, you're in trouble. And I am here to sound the alarm. You don't have to be stuck at the gate. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Been there. Done that. It's a miracle I ever came back. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to go that path. I got peers that never, ever came back. Most of them. I'm the only one. Bunch of us. We were just stuck at the gate, and we all left. I'm the only one that came back. They give me a hard time about it still. It's kind of funny now. We laugh. But I tell them, you're just a backslider. Make fun of me all you want. You know the truth. I'm just telling you. And, and I'm, I'm preaching to our students, but I'm preaching to some of you out there too. You stuck in the gate. You just stuck in the gate. And I want to help you get unstuck. Can I get an amen? Now, Peter and John were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, about 3 p.m. G. Campbell Morgan points out they were not on their way at the hour of the evening sacrifice, but at the hour of prayer because the prayer followed the evening sacrifice, and they understood the sacrifice. Jesus, the Lamb of God, had already been made 3 o'clock just a few months earlier. John Calvin takes exception to them praying in order to keep the law. Rather, he argues this was an evangelistic endeavor. I love that, and it makes a lot of sense because there were thousands of people streaming into the temple. This was a harvest field. The harvest was plenteous, and the laborers were few. Actually, there were two of them, Peter and John. And this beggar had positioned himself right in the middle of all these people at one of the gates to the temple. Now, all the gates in the temple were big and beautiful, but this one, the beautiful gate, was the biggest and the best. Josephus says it was 75 feet high and 60 feet wide. This building is 60 feet wide. I mean, not this room, this building is 60 feet wide. And so it was 60 feet wide and, a, and, a, and a, a, a 70 feet, 75 feet high. And it was made of Corinthian brass and adorned with thick, rich plates of gold. It was gold-plated. Josephus says it took 20 men to open and close the gate. And people wanted to go into this gate because it represented the favor of God. It was the biggest and the best. And, and what better way to garner God's favor than by going through His favorite gate and while you're on your way in to stand before God, show some charity to a less fortunate guy right before you. Give him a few shekels, a few alms before you enter in. So this cat was strategically positioned to maximize his income. He had gone through Dave Ramsey's How to Beg and Get Rich, 
uh, chorus, and, and he, he, he had strategically placed himself to maximize his income. So you have Peter and John who believed in Jesus. He's the Lamb of God slain to take away the sins of the world. They, they believe in prayer. We see this all throughout the book of Acts. And they believed in reaching the lost by going to them, not just trying to get them to come to them. And so here they are headed to the temple on an evangelistic endeavor. They've in a spirit of prayer, and they, they are full of the Jesus message. It sounds a lot to me like, i got to say it, Jesus, people, mission. I see it everywhere. Jesus, people, mission. And as they're going, they encounter this lame man. Now, we're not told the cause of his disability, but just that he had been lame from birth and that he's 40 years old or so. This was something he had struggled with all his life. So here he is, 40, and he's never walked a day in his life. Think about it, he's 40. 40 is a milestone. I remember when we moved to start LifePoint, right after we got here, I had my 40th birthday. Valerie threw a, a big party for me on Manshack Place, and we had a great time celebrating. And I thought I was old as sticks, and I had my first surgery right after that, and my teeth started falling out, and my hair turned white, and like I realized, wow, 40 is a game changer. You know, like, wow. I had no idea. Hey, and we have a birthday boy in the house today. Brendan Hannington is 31. Robbed the cradle, married my daughter, whatever. But so he's never walked a day in his life. It's something he's struggled with all his life, this, this lameness, this disability. So throughout the stages of his life, infancy, toddler, boy, teenager, young adult, adult, and he's adapted to living life, working as a beggar, and, and he had moved up the begging food chain. He's at, you know, prime location. You know what they say, location, location, location. And he is, he's, you know, for a beggar, he's raking it in. He's doing pretty good. And into his life walks, and here's where I want to help you. Here, into his life walks two Holy Ghost-filled men consumed with Jesus' people mission. They were locked and loaded They were like the Blues Brothers, man. They were on a mission from God. And they came across this guy who was stuck at the gate. And something amazing began to happen. The Holy Ghost began to move on Peter and John. And the Holy Ghost began to move on this man. Something about Peter and John brought about an expectancy on the part of this lame man. And he thought, there's something different about these cats. And and, and it was an expectancy. It says he expected to receive something from them. It's almost like, you know, he's been doing this a long time. And he's, he's like, I'm about to hit the mother load. Like, these cats have wads of cash. I remember my wild boys back in the early days of LifePoint. They'd wear these cargo shorts, and they sold speakers, and that's a long story. But sometimes they'd pay cash, and, and they'd open one of their pockets on their cargo shorts, and they'd pull out. I never saw so many $100 bills in my life. 
like, Pastor, we got some ties to pay. And I'd like, you know, bless you, my son. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they one of them called me Father Donovan. He's like, Father Donovan, I got some ties to pay. So they'd pay some ties. I'm like, you know, bless you, my son. Uh, you know, <laughs> but they're lo- they're looking at Peter and John. He's looking at Peter and John. He's thinking, these guys, man, they're loaded. Something about them. There's a, there's an expectancy. When he looks at them, they look like high rollers. They had this air about them, like they had something to give. Let let me just go ahead and say this. There ought to be something about the church of the living God that provokes an expectancy in a hungry, hurting people. They ought to look at us and say, I expect to receive. Do you have anything for me? I'm just telling you, there ought to be a magnetism that's attached to everybody here that's on board with LifePoint. There ought to be a magnetism about you when somebody's around you, they just sense, what's different about you? Tell me your story. I got a haircut yesterday, and the girl said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. She said, why didn't you tell me that last time? I said, well, because I don't like to throw the pastor card around, and you know, like, it gets a little weird with people, and, and it, it provoked a conversation. She's like, she was interested, like, tell, tell me about it. What, what's up with that? There should be an expectancy when, when we're dealing with people. What is different about you? I feel like you've got something, that, because there's so many hurting people. There's so many people with tremendous needs, and 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 they've had them all their life. They don't know why they have them. They don't know why they're stationed the way they are, stuck at a gate. But there's there's something about you that's different, and and he senses that on on Peter and John. There's something so powerful about a plugged-in man or woman of God, plugged into divine purpose, plugged into the presence of God, coming in contact with a, a man or a woman with a need. Now, I'm not comparing myself in any way to Peter or John or this church to Peter or John. They were in a pretty exclusive club of 12, okay, the 12 apostles. There's only 12 of them. But I'll tell you this, I believe what they believed. I practice what they practiced. Because I got record of it. We teach that in Discover Life. I believe what they believe. I practice what they practice. I believe and love the same Jesus that they loved. I've been filled with the same Holy Ghost they were filled with. So have you. If you've been filled. I'm trying to reach the lost the same way they were trying to reach the lost. It's a passion. It's part of what we do. I'm trying to follow the leading of the Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost the same way they were trying to do the same thing. And so while I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, I will say this. The key to that man not being stuck at the gate was to partner with some red-hot believers from a red-hot church. And I just want to encourage our students. I want to encourage the rest of you. If you've been stuck at the gate... Just seeing others go in and come out. Just seeing others go in and get their blessing. Just seeing others go in and get their praise on. I want you to hear me today. Why don't you try partnering up with LifePoint? Why don't you try Listen, I would be a fool if I said, I'm not sure if that'll work. I'm a church planner, baby. We started this thing on on a purpose. We started this thing because we believe we plugged into something that's amazing. 
If you'll partner with us, if you'll grab my hand, if you'll partner with this church, I'm telling you, you can get out of being stuck in the gates. The key is community, connecting with some believers who are already in. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, you hold on, hoss, I'm about to give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You don't have to be stuck at the gate anymore. I want to tell you, come here, baby. It's my girl right here. We're like, we're, we're holding hands, right? We in this thing. We're in this love together. No, we're going to dance. Is what <laughs> Here's the deal. Valerie and I are locked. We're, we got our hands locked. We're in this together. And I want to invite you. Join hands with us. You don't have to have an understanding of everything. This, but listen, we've gotten a hold of something that is so powerful. It rocked our world. Grab a hold of Lizzie and Brendan. Come here. This is our student ministry right here. Brendan and Lizzie, amazing. And Lyra Jane, come and God bless you. I love you so much, Lyra Jane. But, but grab hands with us. Grab hands with these student ministers. They have your best interest at heart. There is so much God wants to do. You don't have to. You can be seated. I can, I can tell Valerie doesn't like staying like. But here's the deal. You don't have to be stuck at the gate playing church and punching a clock. It's not about that. I'm glad you're here. I welcome you here no matter where you are in this journey. But I want to invite you, don't get stuck in the gate, my friends. That's not where the magic happens. There is a special place in a heavenly realm that is accessible. That gate is open wide and you can enter into it. Can you give him some praise right now? You don't have to die stuck at the gate. And I want to challenge you today. We got a baptism. I'm so excited about Katie getting baptized today. We, we baptized Cindy last week. Wow, that was amazing. Uh, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you. It's called a step of faith for a reason. If you study that out, you'll see where Peter Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now the man is sitting the way he's always sat for 40 years. Nothing has changed. And he takes him by the hand, Nick. And he pulled him up. He said he helped him up. I believe it was in the motion it was in that step of faith. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I'll partner with you. And as the motion of it, he began to do what he thought maybe was the right way to do it. And the Bible says, as he did so, immediately his legs and ankles received strength. And he jumped up then. So he was being helped up initially but then the Holy Ghost hit him and the healing anointing hit him and he jumped up and the next thing we know he's running leaping jumping and he runs in through the gate that he had been stuck at for 40 years and he, he was the first aisle runner anybody know what an aisle runner is 
old school church, man, you had people running the aisles. I had a guy visit Life Point years ago at the Presbyterian Church, and, and, and he said, he said, I'm a lapper. He explained this to me, and, and he was interviewing me about our church. He said, I'm a lapper. I said, uh, excuse me? I'm a lapper. I was like, what's that mean? He said, I like to run around the church. And I said, well, you go ahead and run, buddy, like all you want. And, and it's another long story. But, but he was a run. This guy is the first guy to, listen, he went into that temple, and he was running and jumping and leaping and praising God as the Spirit made it possible, and it blew everybody's mind. I want you to know if somebody in this house will hear what I'm saying and partner with us, The Spirit of God will do things in your life that will blow your mind, take you further than you could have ever experienced or thought on your own, take you not only in the gate but running and jumping through the gate. People say, I wonder if Pentecostals are going to get to heaven, and somebody says, if they don't run past the gate, they will, right? God will do something amazing for you, and not only will you get through there, you'll be worshiping and dancing God in such a way it will have a lasting impact. By the end of the day, you had thousands of people saved as a result of one man taking a chance and saying, okay, baby, I'm not going to get stuck at this gate anymore. Whatever you're giving me, I'm taking it. And he just kind of took that leap of faith, and it changed his life. You don't have to be stuck at the gate. Stand with me right now. You don't have to be stuck at the gate. Gates are places of transition. They require motion. We don't know why this man was the way he was. But it was congenital. He got it from birth. the way it is I mean if he got it from birth did he inherit it was this a genetic defect did this go back generations this is the way my family is this is the way we'll always be we're just stuck at the gate kind of people we're not in we're not all the way out we're not just along the wall we're at the gate and that's the way we live and die at the gate but not this man, because he had a moment, and he seized that moment. He took that apostolic hand and said, I'm willing to change my views on religion. I'm willing to change my views on church. I'm willing to change my views on my family. I'm willing to change my status in life. I'm willing to forsake this great position at an awful Occupation in exchange for a new life with new legs and a new future. His last 40 years didn't have to end like his previous 40 years. And I'm preaching to students, yes, but I'm preaching to some men and women. And you've been stuck at the gate. It's obvious you've been stuck at the gate for a long time. In your, in your lack of worship, your lack of exuberance. And you're like, well, at least I'm here. Amen to that. But I want to tell you, it's more than about being here. It's about being there. It's about finding purpose, being plugged into the community, finding your place, letting God use you for His glory. And I've been so burdened. I don't know how else to explain it. 
I'm passionate. I'm joyful. I'm a happy preacher. I love God. I believe in potential. But I just don't want to let anybody on my watch be stuck at that gate. My hand's out. I ain't Peter and John, but I believe what they believe. I serve the same Jesus. I'm full of the Holy Ghost and fire. I got a word burning in me. Come on. Let's go. Let's go inside. And I'm going to open these altars up in just a moment. I want to invite you. There's some people that have freshly, newly entered into that place. They started just coming in here. Then they entered there. And there's a change on the countenance. There's a change in the, the walk, the gate. It's different. Gate of the walk is different when they went through the gate to that place. I want to encourage you. Go there. Go there. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your long-suffering and your patience towards us. There's some dead-end roads that lead just to the entrance of the gate. And we watch others pass us up. The relentless march of time goes on and others are filled with purpose and mission. And while they're living, doing so many great things for you, God, while we just seem to be stuck, it's not rocket science. It's not that God prefers other people over me. It's just I have allowed myself to stay at this place for so long. But I've got a moment. I've got a moment right now. There's a God calling out to me. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Get up. Come on, rise. Get up. Take this church by the hand. Come into those places that you've only seen others go into. You can go there too. I hear the voice of the Spirit encouraging you. You can go there too. This is for you.